Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, season previews roll on. And you know what it's time to do? Talk about Florida State, Joey. It's time to talk about the Knowles, Mike. And we we welcome back a guest on to the show. We've had him on numerous times before. We welcome back Mr. James Coleman to the show. James, uh, a pleasure having you back on. I wish it was on a, a bit of a better day in Florida State. As it, as it turns out, you know, we, we have this conversation in the evening of of Sunday the 8th of August, which we're just a few hours removed from finding out about the passing of Bobby Bowden, of course, the Florida State legend. And and James, first of all, how are you doing? But second of all, curious to hear, you know, if you have any great stories or just wanted to talk about Bobby himself and the, the impact that he had on you and, and your life and the lives of your, your teammates. Yeah, um, I'm doing, doing a lot better than I was last time we all talked, you know, I, I share it. I talk about it. You know, I'm glad you guys are vaccinated. Appreciate it. Um, not here to preach. Just here to tell you that death is death sucks. And um, I, you know, I was supposed to be here. I think it was my birthday. We agreed. Is it? It was. Was it your birthday too, Jason? Are you the twenty? Uh, yeah, was I'm the twenty sixth. So I think we might have yeah, the birthday. Yeah, birthday. Happy belated birthday. But thank you. I guess. You know, I I um was a little, a little more hard headed. Um, did not get vaccinated like I needed to. And I got a chance to spend my birthday in ICU. And a few, a few extra. They don't give you cake in ICU. I can, I can tell you that much. Um, so I, you know, you know, whatever your beliefs are, just be safe. I would suggest getting vaccinated. But, um, you know, during that time, we had also already heard about Coach Bowden, um, you know, being, you know, you know, trying to get at peace, um, having pancreatic cancer. So we kind of saw it coming. But, um, you know, it, it still hits you, um, hits you different when it actually happens. And I'm not probably not the, I'm not the most emotional person in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, probably something I, I need to work on, but like, I got very emotional today. Like that was, um, coach Bowden is the closest thing to a grandfather or a father that I've, um, that I've experienced. And I mean, I know my dad, I, I have a much better relationship with him now as a grandfather to my sons than I did as a, as a father, but from 17 to 22, um, Coach Bowden was very instrumental mm-hmm. in the everyday process of mm-hmm. me going from an adolescent into an adult, into a man. And, um, you know, he helped mold me into a lot of those, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that people like now, the, the entrepreneurial spirit, the giving back. Um, hell, obviously watching me play ball, that was stuff that, you know, if he wasn't present, mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Like he made, he single-handedly made my position iconic at Florida State. Um, and that's fullback position. Like, you know, go name me 10 USC University of Southern California fullbacks. 
Name me 10, hell, name me 10 Michigan fullbacks. Name me 10, name me 10 fullbacks. You can name 10, you can name 10, if you're an FSU fan, you can name 10 fullbacks. I can give you five. Like um, Lonnie Pryor, Freddie Stevenson, um, Dane Williams, William Floyd, Pooh Bear Williams. And those are guys who will arguably be considered some of the best or fan favorites. Um, and Coach Biden gave me a chance 10 times to be to make fans smile and cheer. Mm-hmm. And that's just with touchdowns. That's not including, you know, the times when I, I, I literally, like I was thinking about it and I, I posted it when I was, you know, I got the news that he's probably, it was any day now. And so, like, with people, if you follow me at Big Game James underscore 36, you'll see, like, me kind of almost coming to grips with it, just posting about interviews that I've done with him and things like that. Like, I literally would try to I, – I tried to kill kill people for a freaking tomahawk on my helmet. For, like, I would literally try to split your skull for Coach Bowden to just get a little – for that little accolade. And that lets you know, like, how – like, people talk about buy-in. But just just think about mm-hmm. like the. I hate talking like this because like maybe one day I might actually have to go on trial, and they'll probably like use stuff like this, and they'll be like, "There's something wrong with with him or people like that." But like, like I legit like punish people for a sticker from Coach Bowden. Like just mm-hmm. just just put that in perspective how silly that is. But like that's how much we love that man. That's buy that's some buy in for your ass, man. Like everybody's like, we're trying to get kids to run full speed sprints. Like, we, meanwhile, in my era, guys are doing stuff for for stickies. Like, so like, but but that's what um Bobby had, and he had a bunch of guys that were willing to submit and kind of like fall in line, who didn't do that for anybody. Like, I got some friends who are just genuinely certified badasses, but when it comes to Bobby, like, boom, like he could come in now as adults, like real adults now, like nobody can really tell us what to do and we'll all straighten up and, mm-hmm. and listen to what he has to say because he's coach. It's funny. It's like, cause I like Deion Sanders had this thing where it went viral and like, like call me coach. Like, nah, man, I call Bob, Bobby's my coach. Like Deion Sanders isn't my coach. I've never been coached by Deion. Like I can, if I feel like giving you respect, I can give it to you. That's nice. But like, nah, Bobby was legit. My my coach mm-hmm. and like and I, I'm saying Bobby now like to describe him to you guys but like like even when I interviewed him I I felt di- I couldn't call him I can't call you Bobby you're my coach mm-hmm. right. um but like, you know but just every year like um like some of just a funny funny story like my um my sophomore year is really when I kind of rose to play like no nope, my freshman year I played every game mm-hmm. um actually I broke my red shirt lining mm-hmm. up at 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 an outside receiver um, with Antrell Roll guarding me <laughs> against the University of Miami. Like some fake ass play, like I'm going to go out and run a go route or something. Like I think, actually, no, I think I was running a go route. I was a dummy receiver. What am I throwing me the ball? But that's I how played, you burned your red shirt. That's how I burned my red shirt. Like dead serious. <laughs> like, like, I think it was a penalty too. So like it didn't even count. Like, <laughs> I, so like I, I ended up doing like special teams for the rest of that game. Playing a little bit. Then I, I played a lot after that, but I was just like, wow. I was excited to be in, but I told my coach, I'm like, Billy, like, <laughs> you, I'm, you're not sending me back to the scout team after you burn my red shirt, man. Like, I'm not going back to that hell. Like, I'm going to 
be here with, with the normal people. Mm-hmm. Like, cause Mickey Andrews, Mickey Andrews practice was a lot different for, for the defensive scout team guys than it was for the offense. Offense was all, was um mm-hmm. full speed to fit, which means like there was a bag on the other end that the person had. And so even if you were holding the bag at worst, they run full speed and just tag the back. Or like if you had to, t- or you had to tag, like defense was full speed to violence. Like, so like no bags, you run the ball, they're going to run through you. Like they're trained to try to kill. And like, you have to like try not, and, and there's no, there's no beauty in it. Like if you beat the defense, you get the opportunity to do that play again. And now the defense knows what the play is and they're mad because they just got cussed out by the coaches. So now they're going to whoop your ass. But, um, but Bobby, um, but I, like my freshman year, like people will always be like, how do you keep finding the camera? And I just, for some reason was always around coach Bowden on the side. Like just, so on national TV, my friends were like, Oh, we saw you standing next to Bobby. And I was like, well, that's how you get some TV time is to stand next to the old man. But then <laughs> here I started. So I was playing a lot more and the more you play, like, you know, and I was a, I, 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 like, obviously with the mm-hmm. birthdays, like, I was 17 when I went to freshman two-a-days, and I turned 18 during camp. So I'm a young, what they would consider a young a young freshman. Um, not to pick mm-hmm. on him, but, like, Leon Washington had what we call the Duval red shirt. That's one of my friends. Same class. Leon's 20 years old like, <laughs> in our class, and I'm 17 when I come in. So, like, it's just a big start difference there with, between some of the guys but um so i'm 19 starting and i'm playing against you know the likes of, J- of vilma i'm at miami um uh dj williams you know like these these amazing studs and you know i come out and um i it was the orange bowl and i was whooping dj williams ass that game and i forgot mm-hmm. in my youthful arrogance that this guy was the number one linebacker in the nation at one point. He was a top 15 pick that year. So I I um, I um, slack on the goal line, and I don't come how I'm supposed to. And I engage him to hit him. Mm-hmm. And he gets up under my pads. And I I swear I go like at least seven yards in the air <laughs> over Greg Jones, who was 6'3". And he's running, and so obviously they stop him. Greg probably could have scored if he didn't look up and see a flying fullback going backwards. <laughs> And I wish I would have fell on my back. That would have made me feel so much better. But I landed in the same position that I engaged in. So I landed like, uh, hands up in the air, (laughs) all this stuff. And he's talking trash. And then Billy Sexton, my position coach, cusses me out. And I'm like, man, I'm 19 years old, man. Leave me alone. I ain't even supposed to be on this field. I don't even know how you're here. Like, just whatever. I'm like distraught because that's never happened to me before. I'm looking at my hands like my hands messed up. Like, not like I have never been embarrassed like this. And the coach comes over there is like, Colin, let me tell you something, sir. Mm-hmm. When you go out there, there's these guys. And they've got this white jersey on. What I need you to do is I need you to run full speed mm-hmm. through that young man with the orange mm-hmm. jersey, you know, with the white jersey. And see, <laughs> that's called a block. So you do that, and then we're going to score a touchdown. You understand, son? All right, all right. We'll do that. <laughs> and that's him coaching me. And I'm sitting here like, no shit, really. That's what you like. That that's what I'm supposed to do. To this top, that's your advice. Again, top 15 overall pick to just run full speed into him. But 
and as funny as that sounds, it's exactly what I had to do. Like, I mean, it's really, and then I did it. I went back and I did it. You know, it was a tough game. We lost, but um, I didn't get hit like that again. And then it's just the, my entire career was full of advice like that. And then, like, you, then you start noticing every Friday. And so we traveled. Uh, home games were to Thomasville. Um, and then he has a speech on Friday night. If we're going up somewhere else to play, literally Friday night after we have our, our meal, he has a speech and it's a little piece of paper. I know people, I could try to explain, like, just think like the, like a small sheet of paper that he writes really, really little notes. on. And these are the, the genius notes of Bobby Bowden. Right? But again, I'm not belittling him because he is a genius. And if you listen to what I'm saying, the genius is in these little nuggets I'm going to give you. And if you have kids that play football or if you coach football, if you want to be a genius, I, I promise you, repeat this stuff with the confidence that Bobby had and and you'll mm-hmm. and you'll be you'll be considered a great too. Every Friday night. Mm-hmm. Running backs, you gotta run. Offensive linemen, you gotta block. You gotta block the guys. Gotta give our quarterback time. Rick's quarterback, son. Yeah, mm-hmm. throw the ball to us. If you throw the ball to the other team, it's called an interception, and that ain't good. <laughs> Wide receivers, mm-hmm. you guys got to do a better job catching the ball. Now, defense, mm-hmm. if y'all stop them and we score mm-hmm. on offense, and the other team doesn't score, we win. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, there was some variation of that speech every <laughs> Friday night going into. Like every game, like that was the speech every week that he gave us. And it was like, and he, he wrote it on a new sheet of paper every time. It wasn't, it wasn't the same notes. I, I don't know what he did. I said, all I know is what he did. I don't know what he did in 2001 that I didn't play. And I don't know what he did in 2006 because I didn't play. But 2002 to 2005, every Friday night, that was the speech, no matter where we were at. And mm-hmm. it's genuine. Like, if Rome, my, my position coach, Billy Sexton, shit, I, all of us went to the league. Everybody that was in my in that, that, that room with me got a cup of coffee. I, I got coffee and beignets in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, people went to the league. Like, almost every full, like, I don't think there's a year Billy had a say where there wasn't a, full, a, a fullback or a running back in the NFL. And his infinite wisdom, and I tell running backs this, it, it, I've only have I've, I've coached 10 years total. I haven't coached in a while. I think this is if I'm coaching this year mm-hmm. for the first time in like four years. I've never not had a 1,000-yard running back. And I, I, I'm telling you this because it works, people, seriously. Tell your running backs, run where they ain't. That's the advice. It works. Greg Jones, you want to know what work done was, t- was taught? Run where they ain't. You want to know what um try to fix? Like, Greg Jones, you want to know? Mm-hmm. Run where they ain't. Leon Washington, all these men, I've heard this, were taught to run where they ain't. And Bobby doubling down saying running backs, you got to mm-hmm. run. So you might know it better, mm-hmm. but you ain't ever had the results that these men have had. So <laughs> but that's Bobby. And then Bobby, um, the last one against Miami in 2005, 
I scored an iconic touchdown that broke the streak, but I should have scored two. Um, the second one, like when Bobby put the head, the little headset on, he was either calling a special teams play or it was 34 wham on the short yardage fullback. That was his favorite play. Um, and he called it. And he not most of the time he's like, like Jay, Jeff, Jeff, or I want to run, get a ball to Colton. And then they'll set up, they'll be like, you know, uh, uh, wham right, uh, yo, 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 34, 34 belly or 34 wham or, you know, whatever they did. But he called the play this time. He was so excited. He was ready. He called the play. So just to let you know, the typically dominant side of anything, right side. So we, um, but we wanted to go, we wanted to run the wham to the left. So it was 35 wham. So what he called was heavy, um, heavy, um, wet H motion. So, excuse me. So he had the, the fullback, the wham man was on the left side, which is where we were going to run. He was lined up where he needed to be. So he motions them away, though, to the strong side, to the right. So he motions 35 wham. So there's a, a guard, mm-hmm. a tackle. We're offset, mm-hmm. overloaded to the right. But we're running to the left on goal line mm-hmm. against the University of Miami, who had home. <laughs> So my time against the university, I played against 12 first rounders on defense at Miami, like not drafted mm-hmm. players had 12 first rounders. on First defense. rounders. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like So there's um it, it, Leon Williams, who I crushed the, the, the time before, but he was a fourth round pick. Uh, Mayweather, I think Merriweather, excuse me, went up being a first round pick. Um, I want to say Calais Campbell was probably on that side of the ball then. Large man. Um, anyways, long story short, I'm like, I know I'm going into impending doom. Like, just the numbers. It's guard, tackle, me. So it's three versus six. And as I joke with people about FSU schedule, the only time I like seeing three and six anywhere is when it's my number on the wall. I don't like going up against three and six in, in real life. So I know. <laughs> Bobby caught this play, and I'm like, you know what? This is why I tell people, like, you know, I don't care. Every offensive play is designed to score. Every defensive play is designed to stop it. So if I go out here and I go, woe is me, there's 100% mm-hmm. chance that I'm going to get effed up. But if I go full speed, there's a chance I could score. And, boy, did I get effed up. Like, um, <laughs> like as soon as I got the ball, like, they got me. Boom. But natural instincts, like, I, I hit – and I spun, and then, like, I juked Merriweather, and I'm just – so I, I basically I basically used all my special moves. I don't have – I'm a fullback. I ain't a tailback. Mm-hmm. If I was a tailback, I would have been in a different position. But, like, my feet just – I was trying to chop my feet to get there, and I got, like, to the inch line. So, long story short, but – well, no, I got to the – to the because I've never been tackled for a loss. I'm one, I think I'm the only running back in FSU's history to never be tackled for a loss. That's a stat. I full transparency, Penn State, Orange Bowl. That was a safety. <laughs> I don't know. You don't gotta be don't that know. honest. Don't gotta be that honest. But statistically speaking, like like they have one thing. I think in the Miami game they had me at negative one yards, but I was never tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So like I don't really know how to, but that's one of the things. But I get up there mm-hmm. and I'm like, Ugh. so they end up we end up kicking a field goal. 
And Bobby comes, he's like, yeah, my bad. I got you. <laughs> I should have let the call to play. I'm like, you know, thanks, coach. But, like, you know, I appreciate you, like, you know. But that was just cool. Like, it's the the humility to be able to say, like, yeah, I missed it. I got you. In, in that time, in the heat of that moment, like, because it was early and the game was still nowhere near to be decided. But, you know, just I, I, to be able to tell that story. And like, like very few people can have that experience. And like that's why today was is bittersweet. And the more I talk, the better I feel. Because like that man was awesome. Like as a coach, like that's a funny ass story. Like to be able to tell somebody as like Bobby, Bobby got me fucked up. Like, <laughs> like man, and and I'm okay with it. Because there's so many other times, like I said, there's 10 other times where like I, I gave somebody joy, like, I, or people play with me on a video game because of him. And, you know, those are, those are just like the ends, like, again, the moments where he's telling you the no shit Sherlock type stuff, like, son, go hit the guy with the other jersey or, you know, do what you need to do. Or this, actually, this quote, I've been telling people this, and now only people who've played for him notice. Cause we all, all sh- like I was doing New York radio, mm-hmm. and they said, "Folks, it bothered me." Man. I'm like, "Y'all talk about this man like y'all don't know anything about the South." Like, it's the it's the old guy that's smiling is the one that's that should terrify the hell out of you. Like, not the not the mean brash person in the South. They'll smile before they shoot you. Like, that's just just nice like that down here. But yeah. Bobby, like, to have guys like Mickey Andrew, or to even me, like. For me to submit to you, like you can't be just an all shucks guy. Like you, you nah, like that's a Bobby. Yeah, he is that, but Bobby's a, a goon. They just don't know. Bobby, every time he'll tell you how to play the game. Play every get every play with a reckless abandon and total disregard for personal safety. That's what he said to me every year. That's how you play the fullback position. Reckless abandon. Total disregard for personal safety, meaning I don't give a damn about CTE or don't know anything about this, but your job is to go give people healthy helpers of CTE. And we, that's what this, like, and the best way I can describe it is like, we were preying on other people. Like, our job was to be a predator and prey. He's praying for you, but you're our prey. So, like, that's just the dichotomy. I don't know how it works. I don't know if there's a heaven or a hell, but if, He's in heaven. I know that. And God's probably saying, like, man, that was asking him advice on how can you be so ruthless and savage, but at the same time so caring. Like, you can mm-hmm. pray that your fullback busts somebody's spleen and then you go try to heal them. Like, <laughs> you know, stuff like, stuff like that, man. So that's my own, my own thoughts on Robert S. Bowden. Um, great man. Uh, mm-hmm. Phenomenal father. Um, mm-hmm. truly one of the few people I believe or I, I believed mm-hmm. when they talked about religion and like like I'm not, again, I, I, I won't judge anybody on, on any of that stuff I, I don't know about heaven, I don't know about hell but, but I know he believed and I believe him mm-hmm. and whatever's going on, like I believe whatever he says um, very, there's about five people in my life that could actually, I could actually say, mm. I truly believe 
um, their convictions. And, um, and as, you know, as the world goes into this, like I've, one of the things that I've gotten in the last four or five years and this weird new political climate that we get into where everything's so polarizing, like if you're, if you, if you voted for Biden, you're a liberal pansy. If you voted for Trump, you're a, a racist prick. Or like, there's no like nuance. And I, I you know, obviously I saw, we saw Bobby in his political things. And people asked him, was like, I don't care. I, 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 I know, all I know is what I've experienced. And that man wouldn't do wouldn't go to places that he went mm-hmm. if if he had a bone had a bigoted bone in his body mm-hmm. because he didn't have to. Um, you know, there's stories like um, Leroy Butler here from Jacksonville, um, one of the roughest projects in Jacksonville. When Leroy wasn't making the grades he was supposed to make, Bobby stopped everything he did, drove from Tallahassee to Jacksonville, middle of the night, and told him, "I'm coming to talk to you." He was coming to the hood to the project. I could have got robbed. Leroy had to tell him, like, no, let me meet you at the corner store and bring you in. Like, that doesn't... Mm. I've been... I've worked with racist people before. They don't do that. Mm. You know, and you know, but in the same time, like, you know, he's going to Redneck's house. He's going... He's put... put red. He didn't care what your zip code was. He cared about winning. And he cared about us winning in life. So, like, when, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had teammates who they had spats. And that happens. Like, you know, I don't agree with everything that everybody does. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just try mm-hmm. to tell people, like, again, this nuance, man. He's a 90-year-old white man from Alabama. <laughs> the Republican Party could have put up a peanut to run against Hillary Clinton. And he was voting for the peanut. <laughs> and nothing to, has nothing to do with anything else, man. It's just like it just is what it is. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm not trying to be political at all. I'm just letting people know that, like, if you you're a dick if you believe Bobby Bowden is isn't a um a phenomenal man because every because he because fit, there's a fifty percent chance that he voted voted for a man that you didn't like, and you don't even like everything of the person mm-hmm. that you voted for. <laughs> but you're judging him based upon that, and he got a check. Shit, give me my price is half a million. I'll tell you right now, I run a whole campaign for you. You mm-hmm. drop half a million in my pocket, like I don't care. Money talks, man. My my mortgage is my mortgage is going up. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a man! Is, my bad. All I have to say is that Bobby is the salt of the earth. If more people were, I wish. I wish I had. I'm I'm grateful for the opportunities. I wish I was more. I could be. I I think. And I think that as a father, as a husband, like like he had a son that stole from him. Like, but he still talks about his kids. Like, like whatever. He had a son that probably in my office coordinator, phenomenal man, Jeff Bowden, awesome dude, terrible office coordinator. Like, I'm sorry, Jeff. It's just. Statistically speaking, well, actually, even now, now we're so bad that you're not even considered the worst office coordinator. <laughs> but like, it's still you had a lot more talent. But, but he put his son like, well, who and people bash him, but like, 
I do the same thing for my son. If I knew, like, I'm coming up with three straight national championships, and I got this talent, and I got a son who wants to coach, and like, I just need us to win one, and then he'll go get a job somewhere else. I'm, I'm put my son in that position too. So, but again, like, those are the things that, and maybe somebody could probably speak more eloquently on it. But those are the things that are, that I've seen in Bobby that are important to me that I think other that everybody should know, man. Like just if everybody treated each other like how Bobby treated his players, like I wasn't a, I wasn't just a scholarship player. Like that man, like I said, I, I, I've talked to him on on the phone. Like his, it's too late now, but like his, his phone was literally in the white pages. Like you could literally go pick up a phone book and look up Coach Bowden's number, call him, and either him or Miss Ann would answer. Like, you can't do that for Nick. I can tell you that. Saban ain't in Saban's number at an end of the phone book. <laughs> no chance. Yeah, that, that's Bobby. That's Bobby in a nutshell. Thank you for sharing all that, James. That was awesome, man. That was. Um, James, trans- transition now to this year's team, which hard to do after that conversation. We'll try our best, though. Um, Mike Norvell, year two. What should we expect? What kind of program should this be moving forward? What kind of program does he want it to be? I mean, we're talking about all the great Bobby Bowden years, but now we got to talk about the here and now and and the present with this program. It's it's not the program it once was. You know, looking at the record and how things have gone the last really the last six or seven years uh, since the national championship. What's the expectation Tallahassee? What's the expectation for Norvell? How do the fans feel about Norvell after year one? Well, the fan base is, 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 um, is weird. They know something was wrong, right? So we know Jimbo, Jimbo left the program in a situation that was kind of like in flux. So like, and there's a lot more to it, but the bluff of it is you can't every year say you're leaving and then come back and preach family, which was the, the thing about Bobby, like again, not to go into it, but he coached 40 years. Um, his position coaches didn't leave. Like there was, it was the, like, if you look up stability of football, you have to, there's only two programs that really had it um, at a high level. And that would be Penn state with Joe Pop and Bobby with Florida State. And then you go to Jimbo and, you know, every year, like, even with him, how he got the job from Bobby, it's just like, it's something. Always looking for some more. And that's the American way now. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, it, it, it hurts recruiting. And the biggest recruiting tool that people tend to forget isn't the new, the 25 freshmen that are coming in. It's the 85 guys that are coming, like the seniors, that the, the juniors you need to stay and seniors you need to convince to go go the hell away and the guys you got to run off. So understanding roster management. But Jimbo had that foot out the door and what, you know, this isn't a – so Tag came into a situation that was – he was too bright-eyed for it and, was, and did not assess the situation very well at all. If, and the fan base – bought into like this isn't a rebuild this is a reload with without looking at this man inherited the 66 recruiting class when he took the job brought it to number 12 i believe and you lost some of your better players 
to the draft and you're trying to install a new system. So, you know, you got that. And in all of those things, some of the mannerisms that tag has when you're winning, it's cool. Again, we're talking about Bobby. I was doing uh, XM radio and they called him folksy. And you could see that in tag. He's very Southern, um, slow speech, um, deliberate, like in a draw. Like doesn't mean you're dumb, but like people who want to pick on stereotypical things that it comes off that way. And he does some things, he did some things that were bonehead, stupid. And he lost. Like you can't lose. Like, you know, you, you broke the bowl streak, all these things. So again, now you fire a guy 18, was it eight, yeah, 18, 18 um, games into his contract, which was unprecedented at the time. And so now you got recruits who are like, holy crap. Like, they're, they'll fire a guy a year and a half into his contract. And I got to, I have to make the four year commitment. So these are the things. So, like, and now again, now you've got kids who have had, they're on their third coaching staff, including Odell. So naturally, you don't trust anybody because the people you came in with aren't there. And so now there's now you have fractured the locker room, and this isn't any none of this is Mike Norville's fault. This is what he's coming into. He's inheriting this. So you're inheriting a coach that left, like got you're getting kids who had a coach that told him that never he'll never leave him that left him for his reasons. You've got a coach that came in and said, "I'm going to make football fun again, and we're going to do all these things, and I'm going to take care of you, and blah blah blah." And he got fired. And now you got a coach who's coming in telling you a little bit of both. How do I even know you're going to be here? And then, boom, COVID. Oh, then the the hiring. He hires nobody with ties to, to the state of Florida. Like, it's like if Virginia Tech came and hired me and said, James, we want you to bring our program back. I've been to Virginia once, the state, like one time in my entire life. Right. Now I got to go recruit. I don't know a high school. I can't name a high school in Virginia. I don't know what Virginia Beach looks like. I know Percy Harvin was damn good. Um, and and um, Allen Iverson somewhere around there. And But then I also know it's, it's, it's completely – Richmond is completely different from everywhere from, – or I think that's – I hope that's Virginia. You said Delaware. See what I'm saying? The point is, is I don't know shit about Virginia. So you hire a guy from Memphis – who don't know shit about Florida, and the only tie is that he's at one of the major schools, the big three, and his like he's got Odell and Dugans, but even then they don't know if they're being fired or not, and you don't have the relationships with the schools and like the people he hires are people that he has a good relationship with, so recruiting kind of stinks that first year, and then my bad, then COVID hits, so now you got a bunch of people who are basically cold calling the the richest state in terms of ass assets with athletes that they don't even know. And, you know, then there's a whole bunch of BS, like what, what Luke did and the commission and some of that was true. Some of it wasn't, but like, it's just a lot of stuff because, and it wasn't racist, but you fired a black man in the sport that's 75% black with the teams that are good in an unprecedented manner. So, like, you did it because 
six wins. And then you, the stuff you said, six wins isn't the standard. Because the question was if Tag would have gotten six wins, which we ended up doing, which, would they have kept him? And you, you're on record saying six wins isn't the standard. And the standard is championships. So what are we held to? So we come into the 2000, the tw- excuse me, the 2020 season, and we fired a guy who, who had a roster that went to a bogan. And you have a tough schedule, but it's, it's not the end of the world type schedule. You've had tougher schedules. Like you, you play Notre Dame, tough game. You play Miami, obviously, tough game. Thank God we didn't play Clemson. <laughs> um, you know, there's some, but long story short, you go three and six. One of your wins is against a top five program in North Carolina, which is what you really, you won the game, but they ran out of time. That last drive, I've never seen four wide open drops so bad, <laughs> like to extend the game. And, you know, don't matter how you how happy you want it. You want it. It's a great win. But your other two are against are against F, two FCS schools. The FCS school and Duke, who Duke was giving you close to the business until you knocked the quarterback out. Your first game that you lost was to Georgia Tech against your prize recruit from the year before. Like, and yep. <laughs> you – you did it with so much and he never said it. And I've talked to Coach Novell about the Jeff Sims situation. And Jeff, my radio partner, trained Jeff. He's from Jacksonville. Great, phenomenal. Let me tell you this. You he's not a kid you push out your class unless he's unless you think he's a turd and he's not. Phenomenal family, smart kid. Would have probably been your starter and you'd be in a different situation. Maybe Maybe it would be worse because you can't really recruit out of that, but you, you got to take this one year at a time. But you lose to them, and the media, who I've, as me and Mike have gotten a better relationship, I've told him the real reason he's had a rough time is because of the, the way our media treats him with kids' gloves. Like, they made it – so, like, one of the articles this time last year I read, I might have talked about it on you guys' podcast. But like they were like, oh my God, he he's so prepared. He's ready for everything. Like these guys are like they're prepared for a rain delay. They're practicing mm-hmm. rain delays. You know what happened against Georgia Tech? A rain delay. You know what happened <laughs> after the rain delay? How their asses were. Like, so obviously practicing for a rain delay doesn't do anything for you. Like, I don't care about those little nuances. I care about winning. That's all I care about. Um, and then like somebody was like, oh, they they worked on lining up properly in the pregame. So they, they, they worked on pregame scrimmage? Like, that's not a – it's not praising Mike. It's, it's, it's gross incompetence. Everybody does that. From, like from Pop Warner, like, you you line up. Like, this is – load of whistle. Running backs are here. Wide receivers are here. O-line – it's like, guys, this is stuff that happens from, from Pop Warner all the way through football. Why are we writing two-page articles about this? Like it, it's like you guys are making us look. You guys are making us look bad. I don't care if Tag didn't do that, but like just stop talking about like that means Tag was really incompetent, and that's fine. But like let's not praise our coach for doing the minimum. So we get all of this stuff again. Three and six happens, and and it's not even just like you're not just losing. You're getting your asses whipped. Like it's a blowout. 
guys are quitting. And which is something I can't fathom because I just told you guys before, we we were trying to kill people for stickers. Meanwhile, people are getting like, they're okay with getting beat by 40. And that's a scary sight. So mm-hmm. um, fast forward to this season, like that's why I don't mind the transfers as much because you got to get some new, you got to get that, that, that loser blood mm-hmm. out of your system. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't necessarily want a bunch of losers transferring in, and I don't mean that bad to any of the guys, but you mm-hmm. left your current situation because it was bad and you weren't playing to come here. It, typically, like I still view us as an up. Like, you typically don't transfer up. You transfer down. But, you know, some of the situations, we were so bad at it that we needed it. Um, like the upgrade with, I think it's DJ Williams, I think is his name. You're running back from Auburn. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, some of the, the the Fabian Lockett and um, the safety from uh, South Carolina aren't bad pickups. You know, there's some pieces that we got where we haven't recruited well that I think um, will help us. But who is the guy that they lean on when tragedy strikes? Like, who are the leaders? Who are the who's the guy that they're terrified? Not necessarily terrified of. Like, I'd rather we call it like when I was a freshman, we had a guy Todd Williams, God rest the dead, you know, passed. But um, Todd was a hothead. Todd punched through an ATM machine, just so you guys can understand how strong he is. Those things are sturdy. But um, I learned how to play fullback. I ran up like on his pads once, and he said, "Listen, you ain't gonna keep running up on my pads." You're going to either do it right or I'm going to knock your ass out. And um, I wasn't afraid to fight him. I just remember the story of the ATM. And I was just like, would I rather do my job better or would I rather try to, like, see if my chin is stronger than the ATM? And I was like, yeah, maybe I should do my job better. And, like, who who is that person on this roster, like, that makes you want to do your job better because, you know, there's accountability amongst players. And that's what I think was I, – I, I don't know. Um, is it the McKenzie Milton kid? Like, because everybody talks about him. All I know about McKenzie Milton is that in 2017, they won a fake national championship. And people really, really liked him. And then he had a tremendous injury, a tragic injury, and he came back and he didn't win his job. I was going to say – I was curious, James, to hear your take. I mean – by all means, Florida State right now is in a little bit of a uh, little bit of a two quarterback situation. I know there's a phrase about that about having two quarterbacks and not having any. Yeah. I, I mean, literally to the point that at ACC media days they took both Mackenzie Milton and Jordan Travis. I mean, what what mm-hmm. do you take from that? What's your take on that whole quarterback situation? I'm I'm curious. Come on, coach. Come on, come on, coach Orbell. <laughs> come on, come on, man. I personally think Jordan mm-hmm. Travis would be the starter. <laughs> Because if McKenzie Milton was that good, really, it would be a battle. We had a spring. Like, I mean, keep the competition open, but like, I've seen everything in that spring that people hyped out about McKenzie Milton. I've seen Jordan Travis do that whole drop back, climb the pocket, and throw the deep the deep post. Jordan did that three times for three touchdowns last year. So James, James, not to cut you off. So is this more of the media trying to hype it up because they want the McKenzie Milton? comeback story and they want to write about it or is it like exactly he really looks dramatically better than jordan travis because i agree with you like if you know 
if if he's as good and he's back and look, it would be a great story if he came back from shattering his leg. That would be an awesome story. But if Traps is better, he's got to play. Here's the thing. If he's 2017, Mackenzie Milton, why is he at Florida State? All right. This is no not on him. This is just what I try to get people to understand. Like, let's just use common sense. I don't have I have really good friends. I don't have a friend that's good enough to take food off of my plate. Like the excuse was he's good friends with the starting quarterback at UCF. You're not my no. Like, no, I, I but again, I was a true freshman that got brought in to compete against a redshirt freshman with another true freshman. And I competed my entire career with guys my grade, my my level. It's only one starter. Like, I'm sorry, man. If you hate me because I had to become the starter, we were never friends. And that's not why we came to Florida State. I didn't come to Florida State like to like to to lose or to not play. I wanted to just if it was about the degree, I would have went to Harvard. Like this is about winning. And I want winners. And nobody can give me a and again, this is Kansas seems to be a great kid, and I hope he does very well. That benefits me none for him not, but like you left the starting job at UCF because you could not win it and came to Florida state and Florida state mm-hmm. fans are sitting around here acting like this is God. This is a gift from the guys. We, we can't even say we got the best quarterback from UCF to come here. Like you got to marinate on that a little bit, but Jordan Travis also the disrespect. Mm-hmm. We don't win a game without Jordan Travis at quarterback. Like, People bring up these stupid facts like our how how great our running game improved. It's because we had a quarterback that ran for like 7.8 a carry for his life. Like that's why the running game improved. And he's also a lot bigger. Like McKenzie Mill McKenzie Millen is a is very is a is a very tiny man. Like so, like, you know, I, again, I, I think he'll be fine. I think whoever starts would be better. But, like, that's really where, where it comes down to. And it's dangerous to keep having these open competitions this far out because the locker room tends to gravitate to whoever they like anyway. So, like, the longer you have it open, the, the, the more of a split you have on the offensive side of the ball. And, and, again, these guys seem to be more friendly than we would need them to be because, like, I just want to win. Like it, it, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, but like these guys are trying to pick sides. But, but I think that, and I think Parchment is going to be the key. Parchment is like Terry, but a, a more complete route runner. So he's not just a go ball. He's a guy that can really run the deck, that will run the dig route, that'll run the post, um, and not just the skinny post, like that'll run across, get it go across that middle. Strong, which will help guys like Brian Robinson, uh, guys like uh, McLean, some of these new wide receivers come in and be able to make a name for themselves. Like if you got guys that are truly, truly mismatch problems, or at least give safeties and corners something to think about, it will open up the passing game. Which, like, I, if they improve ten percent, you're talking about a six. You're talking about a six win team easily uh, when it comes to that. Yeah, the offensive line, James, like, like that was a big area of emphasis. I know when Has Jimbo left, years. it was like 
yeah, like how are they gonna? How's it gonna look? Because I mean, it was not good towards the end of the Jimbo era, and I feel like every time we have you on, we're talking about the offensive line, whether or not it's gonna get any better. I mean, have they been recruiting the position better? Ooh. And true yeah. facts. Uh, he, he got a raise. And he deserved. It. Problem is, we won't get that until next year. Like those, the guys that are coming in. Right. But some of the transfers and some of the players that he got last year to compete were good. You've got Maurice Smith, undersized center, but good. Love Taylor, the opposite tackle, good. So now the problem that they had was injuries and depth. And they like they put out a different – I believe they put out like 13 different offensive um, offensive, offensive line units during the season, and you can't get better that way. You've got to have some continuity. And I think that's what um, uh, this year, having a full offseason, having guys be able to get stronger – and develop and rehab should lead to us to having a little bit better. But I will say this too, more competent quarterback play makes for better offensive line, especially when you're running the RPO, like you got to know what to do with the ball. So like, like we call it rhythm, don't catch it and thrown. So like you got, wasn't this season, I think it was the season before you got quarterbacks getting sacked on quick slant. That's impossible. Like it's literally a three-second throw. Like you should not get sacked. But like having a quarterback that knows where to go with that, um, and that could be where Mackenzie Milton's mental capacity maybe helps, or you know Jordan Travis having another year under his belt, being able to get rid of that ball helps with that, and um, being able to attack weaknesses. So um, I think that's one of the main main things. Um, but I think Alice Atkins is a phenomenal coach who's going to help that offensive line. James, let's talk about the defense for a minute. I mean, that's that's also been a bit of a pain point over the last couple of years. And I remember last year we were having this preview about this time and talking about how the defensive line had the potential to be one of the best units in the country. Um, you know, you had Janarius Robinson, you had Marvin Wilson, like some aged senior guys that were, were really ready to be the anchor of that defense. And it really didn't, come to fruition in a lot of ways, you know, it's a bit of a frustrating year for, for a lot of those guys. I know, I know you do bring in the transfer from Georgia and Jermaine Johnson. Uh, it sounds like he's expected to be one of the better, if not the very best player, like on the defense. And so that's, that's good. But I guess my question to you is, do you have reason to believe the defense takes a considerable step forward here in, in year two under Norvell, or is that going to continue to be a bit of a, a touchy subject around Seminole tailgates? I think that'll be better. <laughs> Adam Fuller is the guy who no like like he got no no love or any code like like I guess um like a bias or anything. It was I, it was one of the things that just being argumentative. I used to just love to just do it like like our offense thinks yeah well Coach Norvell didn't get a spring so like did our defense I was like did our defense get a spring like that we didn't know about was it, like secret practices going on like. Well, not nah, Fuller. They just don't know what they're doing. You can't see any improvement. I'm like, you can see improvement on offense, but you can't see. Okay, but I, there's, I think, the help, the secondary. They've got a lot of, they put a lot of bodies out there, 
Um, and it seems like there's a lot of competition going on. But you brought up the young man from Georgia, who I believe is going to be a um, is going to help a lot. Um, SEC pass rush is a little bit different than the ACC, so I think he'll see a he won't see as good of an offensive line that he's seen that he's been seeing consistently week in and week out. Um, they've got I can't think of his name right now, but it was it's actually a D tackle from Louisville that transferred that didn't play last year. Who's like six six, two ninety eight himself. So like, there's some guys that could come in and give us some good patchworks along with Robert Cooper, who should be the guy who's the more the biggest presence. But and in the linebacker court, you've got Stephen Dix Jr., who you know it, it should be a good plug guy as a Mike linebacker. Amari Gaynor is moving inside and trying to get because mm-hmm. last year he was the better arguably the best player on your defense, but just didn't fit what they were trying to do schematically wise. And you had games where he wasn't even involved in the, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't even play. And that's just, you can't have a guy with that kind of skill set out. So they're going to have to manufacture pass rush though, because they didn't really address it this class. Now the, the craziest thing about all of this is if FSU wins seven to eight games, recruiting for 20, was, yeah, I mean, 21 this year, right? Yeah, 21 mm-hmm. to 22. No, we're in 21. So 22, the 2022 class, the 2023 class is going to get spooky because you'll finally have something on paper or something visually for them to be able to see. And the recruits are already buying into the tune of a top 10 class, knowing that they won three games the year before. So, like, pass rushes is really being addressed in the 2022 class. It was, but they got to find a way to manufacture it in this class coming up. And one of the most damning things that could happen to you is when the draft affects you the way that it affected. Like you got, you had major pieces that nobody, people forgot about drafting from this D line and you didn't do anything with them. So like that, but the odd thing with all of this going on, Florida is – our rivals are arguably having really, really good seasons, and they haven't distanced themselves from Florida State in terms of recruiting. When Florida State was – when Jimbo was in his bag, there wasn't a person in the state that he didn't that he couldn't get. Like, there was no, like, recruiting battles between Miami and Florida. It was Jimbo wanted them or he didn't. But now it's like, there actually are battles. Like Florida's in a battle with some guys with a three and six ball club. Like that doesn't happen under Meyer. That doesn't happen under like peak Miami, but somehow Mike Norvell is really doing a job, doing a good job of selling what he believes his vision will be for Florida state. So I, I probably should ask this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the differences between, you know, the, the regime of Bobby Bowden versus the regime of Jimbo Fisher and then moving on to Norvell um, because the Willie Taggart thing, you know, the experiment lasted a year and a half or whatever it was. And there were other actions at work there. You know, I know Taggart didn't necessarily get along with some of the administration. I know some of it was, you know, from a political standpoint, I, I know he rubbed people the wrong way. At least that's, 
I know you, you mentioned that on this podcast before and other podcasts have mentioned that as well. Mm-hmm. So is the administration willing to be more patient with Norvell um, Van Taggart because a, it's going to take a little bit longer for the rebuild because you're that much further along in it. Right. Um, kind of being removed from the Taggart era. You got a few more years where you got to recruit better. You know, like you just mentioned, it's going to take a couple more recruiting classes for Norvell to feet under him before he starts putting together, I think records that Florida state fans are expecting. So is the patience going to be there in your mind with the administration? And what's the biggest difference, I guess, politically behind the scenes between Taggart and Norvell? They have no choice. Uh, and, and this is what I mean. And it got me in trouble. It still gets me in trouble. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just a common sense. Common sense. Shit. Like, nobody fires a coach in the middle of the season for a group of five guys. Like, to let them and to let them finish this season. Like, that's, that's not how this works. It's not bully ball. Like, like we don't fire a guy and then say, oh, you know what? This is grace. The greatest season in Memphis history. Please, by all means, wreck our recruiting class. And you go, guys, you go win your conference championship and then go play in your bowl game. We'll be here. Florida State's going to always be. No, that's not how this shit works. Like, if you fire, if we fired, really fire Willie Jerome Taggart for freaking Mike Norville, we're going into Memphis with the plane, with the private jet, and saying, hey, you're leaving now. Coach, I got three games left in the regular season. I don't care. You're who we want. You're either coming or, you, or you're not. That's how that works. He's our coach. I'm not knocking it. You fire a coach in the middle of the season because you have a coach that you know you can get. We just didn't get that coach. We realized that we're maybe not on that level yet as far as fiscally being able to do stuff. But what I can tell you, what I definitely know we're not on the level yet is – and this is what's not this is what's not fair to Mike, right? But it's the truth. Is Mike Norv what you gotta ask yourself, last year, year zero, whatever, the treasury didn't stop. Is Mike Norville an eight point five million dollar a year coach? And James, how do you come to that number? That's what you paid Mike Norville, and that's what the buyout for Willie Taggart is. Did you get it's three and six with the recruiting class that we had? Is that worth eight point five million dollars? Did it put us in a position? That we um that that's going to make us a a, t- a ten win seat is a ten win team this year. I'll answer it as of right now, no, because this isn't a ten win ball club. Like you made a move that you really could have just not made a move. Like think about it like this: Mike Norville would probably be available to be a head coach right now at Florida State. And you'll probably pay him around the same amount of money that you're paying him right now. The move you made did not have to be made and did not make you better. Now, again, like I said, I believe Tag was fired because they believed they had the next coach in mind. That next coach was not Mike Norvell. Um, we can speculate and say whoever we want, but just the way big boy college football moves, nobody does that. Um, or you fire him later on in the season, like. Like to get, then you 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 aim and get that. But um, so I say that to say like we don't have the money for two buyouts in a new in a, in a in a new coach. So he's in charge of 
the rebuild. Now, the beautiful thing is he gets to dictate if he'll be the next coach to take Florida State from that rebuild into where we rightfully belong. Or he'll just be the next stepping stone coach that we'll all kind of like for helping stability, like stabilize everything. And then we'll go get a coach that can um that can coach. Perfect example. Um when Spurrier mm-hmm. left and they got um not champ, uh Zook, Ron Zook. Ron Zook was an amazing recruiter that like put the pieces in that helped Meyer be able to take Florida to the next level. And and even Meyer wasn't like we love to talk about Meyer, but let's be real. Meyer was a much better overall coach at Ohio State than he, than he was at Florida because he got out of Florida like in just in the nick of time before the bottom fell out. Um Zook was that good of a damn recruiter. And then again, like Florida had to go through somebody mm-hmm. to stabilize their program again to get them to where they're now, you know, they should fall asleep and win 10 games. So, like, that might be where Florida State's at. But that's still a scary proposition because in my lifetime, we've <laughs> – I grew up – I grew up with the with the 15 straight top five finishes. Like, you know, and I, I played – I played in four New Year's Day Bowls. So, like, this new – this new – this world where we stink is still very new to me. Like, most of my life, we've been at the top. So, um you know that's something I think Mike will have to always, but he'll get the he'll get the benefit of the doubt. And I think what he's getting that Tag didn't have and that Bobby didn't have as well is some great admin. Um, Mike Alford, um, the new Booster Club president, phenomenal guy, sees has vision, has been other places, and I think Seminole Boosters has been what's really held Florida State back for quite some time because, you know, on a on the the, the 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 surface level thing, Bobby asked for an indoor practice facility in like '95. Imagine if Bobby Bowden got an indoor practice facility in '95. <laughs> what talent look like? Like right now, Nick Saban. That like it's it's somebody's job in Alabama to like read and scan Nick Saban's dreams to see what he wants to build something before he even thinks about it. They got a football museum. Who the hell needs a football museum? They got a no, excuse me, a thirty thousand square foot chow hall, like for football, not for everybody else. Who the hell needs thirty thousand square feet just to eat? I mean, I don't need it, but I can't lie, it's kind of a cool recruiting tool. But like Bobby would have had those things because, especially with him, he's winning, and you're giving him all this new state of the art stuff. Like you would have been. That's called forward thinking. And unfortunately, Florida State hasn't had that, even though you did have iconic coaches before that. And Jimbo had to beg and plead. And that's something that, you know, people don't see enough or talk about enough is like, we just got tired of asking. Like, why am I asking when people are begging? People are begging to pay me way more than I'm worth and build me whatever I need. Like, it just becomes tiring. Like, you know, go be the bad bitch. Um, at somewhere else while you're sitting here struggling with the person that you want to be loyal to. They don't even want to give you a, um, give you $40. Meanwhile, the rich suitor up the street wants to give you an indecent proposal every other night. That's kind of what we've been dealing with. So like, hopefully, you know, Mike comes in and, and, and kind of writes the ship because I will say the fan base for the most part, as fractured as it can be sometimes does want to win. And, even in the arguments that people have, 
Like when people have told me to my face that I hate Mike Norvell, which is not the case. I have a great, I have a, trust me, my, my relationship with Mike Norvell is 20 times better than my relationship was with Willie Taggart. Um, and, and a lot of people don't even understand. My thing with Willie Taggart was I just, I believe right is right and wrong is wrong. You don't fire a coach in 18 games. That's just my personal belief. Now, if you wanted to fire him the, the, the middle of year three, I would have led the challenge. I would have led the charge. But, like, I just believe you got to give a guy two, at least two, three classes before you, like, for them to actually be able to turn around. But, you know, I got told them, my critiques are on the game. If we were six and three, the way I talk would be way different than it is when we're three and six. So you don't want me to say mean and nice and hurtful, hurtful things. Mm-hmm. Like, because we, we're losing to – or we're in a battle with Jacksonville State, beat the hell out of Jacksonville State. It's real simple. But I'm going to still love you. I'm just going to tell you that you shouldn't be in a dogfight with Jacksonville State. <laughs> so that's my thoughts on that. Speaking of which, James, let's let's hit the schedule here. And, I, you know, I, I – I think you're maybe a little more down on Florida State than I am, which comes as no shock to anybody who's listened to this podcast for a while because, as we know, Florida State's had issues, and I just there's there's some deep down part of me that like refuses to believe it. I keep picking death, up games and death taxes and Joey picking Florida State to be like nine and three. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I don't intend for this, but I you know with all the transfers in and and uh, getting a proper off season and all this, like I I do feel like Florida State has potential to be one of the one of the quote unquote wild cards in the ACC who could take kind of a, 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 a not a random jump, but like a, a significant jump from what we're expecting here going into year two. The problem with that is that as much as we talked about Georgia Tech having a pretty tough schedule this year, the top five games that made that such a tough schedule, Florida State has the exact five games with the exception that you're flipping Georgia for Florida. They start against Notre Dame. They've got at North Carolina, at Clemson, home against Miami, and then at Florida to end the year. So that's, I mean, those are five teams that all figure to be cooking pretty good this year. I I, I don't know. Between that, the out-of-conference then also includes Jacksonville State, as you mentioned, James, uh, UMass, and then, uh, again, Notre Dame and Florida. I mean, that's, that's pretty tough. A total, a win total of five and a half coming into the year. I, I don't know what to do with that, but, James, I, that's – that's that's some tough sledding here ahead of the Knolls here this fall. Yeah, um, we're winning more than five and a half games. I can promise you that. I think we're eight Music wins. My ears. I I um. Well, let me pump my brakes. Hold on. I, I'm going to use the bowl game as my eight, right? <laughs> like, fair. fair. Um, but I think again, it goes back to is is Mike Norvell an eight point five million dollar coach? And this is what we need him to do, right? I can see those five games, all five of them. But if I don't know, like if we're <laughs> if we're getting blown out by by Louisville again, I don't know what to do, man. Like, what do I do with that? Like, how can I? How can I in good faith? Like, Willie beat Louisville twice. Like, how can I in good faith say this is a better coaching staff and you can't beat Louisville? They beat down North Carolina State. How can I get beat by 28 against Florida against North Carolina State again and say this staff is better than the staff that we fired? It, it, just, it just goes into these things. Because you can blame the players. Right now, I think statistically, 
I think 70% of this roster has only played for um, Mike Norvell or more of it. So this is Mike Norvell's roster. So, like, these are his guys. He picked these guys. So you got to – those are the things we got. Like, but, again, North Carolina, you find a way to beat North Carolina with Sam Howell being great, with his top two receiving target. And, by the way, he had two NFL-caliber running backs last year. Hell, those guys put up 500 yards on the University of Miami. Like, you beat that team. Like, schematically, like, you – like, offensively, like, you – you whooped their ass in the first, and defensively. You whooped them in the first half. Now, again, like I said, you you staved it off, but you still – you did that as a staff. So, like, you should – that should give you some hope. That's one that, – that gives – it's not five locks as losses. It's really – I'll give you – that's 4.5 right there now with losses. Miami lost a lot. They got to come to Tallahassee. They, they got a quarterback with one leg right now who, for some reason, they really want to want to die against my against Alabama. They may be a whole different ball club by the time you see them. So, again, that's the – that chops that – those five losses. That's four. That's four out of those five. Um, now, I don't think we're good enough to – I think Dan – I think Dan Mullen is that good of a coach right now to, like – and we don't have enough talent to out-scheme Florida. So, like, we would have to catch Florida, like, reeling. And they have every every ability to have a down year too, but that's not what this podcast is about. But I'm gonna give you Florida in Notre Dame. Even though I went and picked apart how well everybody said we played against Notre Dame, st- still we didn't play bad against Notre Dame. Notre Dame did find some, a couple weak spots and it ran like the same running play twenty times and gashed us. But there were some things that we did very good against Notre Dame. Um, and Notre Dame's lost their starting quarterback, exponential pieces of their offensive line, a lot of players on defense. They're bringing in a new team. And I believe that they'll probably come in with the same mentality that North Carolina came in to, to Doug Lashley and mm-hmm. underestimate. And the first game of the season, is, that's why you always see the upsets the first week of the season is because people are like, oh, we've beat the hell out of them. Ah, uh, they're no good. Mentally, they're weak, and you know you've got guys that that haven't been privy to quitting after they get forty points put on. So you never know, but um, but I think I, I really think outside of those five, if if Florida State's to get back to the standard, the seven games that are left on their schedule, they it has to be a no a no brainer that they're going to win those seven games. Like you got to know that they're going to win those seven games, and and then you eke out one of those, one of those five. I'll tell you this: Labor Day, losing by fourteen is a win. I hate saying that because like I'm too prideful to say that at Florida State, but fourteen a fourteen point a two touchdown loss, um, in a good in a good ball game on national TV, that puts Mike Norvell's future. And what he's trying to sell to recruits on notice, and and that'd be something that's really, really good. So, what do you think, Joey? Uh, the moment of truth. Um, man, just again, like this, this feels like this has real wild card potential. I mean, I could see as few as four, 
and but if everything really clicks, I could see as many as eight. You know, like it's. I, I think all that's on the table. I think realistically, this is probably going to take another year for for Mike Norvell, and I think. You know, there, there's probably going to be similar to kind of what we said from Georgia Tech. I think there's it's very possible that you see some signs of improvement. You don't necessarily see them in the record, but you see them in what you see on the field. You know, you, guys aren't blowing coverages. There's no, you know, receiver runs one route, quarterback throws another. Like, you know, you just have more more mesh, more organization within your team. I'm gonna let's see. I mean, I think I, I think I'm gonna go like five and seven. Um, you know, I I, I I I am very curious to see that that Notre Dame game, and and depending on how that game goes, I I think it's on the table that Florida State wins that game outright, like much less covers a ten point spread, and yet, like James said, if you can keep that within a couple touchdowns, like that's that's also a win. So I I don't know. I just, I just I I really don't know what to think of this team this fall. I think I'm just going to say five and seven. I mean, I think that the roster is better than a lot of these teams are going to play, but how many of them do you realistically pull it all off in the end? Not all of them. So let's, let's go, uh, let's go five and seven here. I'm going to go five and seven too. I think, um, I don't know. And, and I think part of the problem too, is I think I might be a little bit higher on some of these Atlantic teams than I might, or I should be like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, September's a really important month, I think, for Florida State. I mean, the Notre Dame game's important, regardless of final score, even from an optics standpoint. That's a really important game. And then the next three, I mean, you got to beat Jacksonville State. But the next two after that, right, at Wake, home against Louisville, I mean, those two games in September could dictate whether or not Florida State's a bowl team. Because I look at the rest of the schedule, Syracuse is a winnable game. Beat them. beat them right i mean if you're looking at like four and one going to north carolina they were talking about ranked florida state potentially um which now again like quality of wins i don't know you know at that point <laughs> it's like okay they could be ranked but are they any good is the question they're going to be asking and that's going to be a story going into the north carolina game umass is obviously winnable but the back half of the schedule it's tough. I mean, the uh, Death Valley speaks for itself going on the road to Clemson. NC State, I think, is going to be pretty good. Um, Miami lost a lot, but they're still a talented team. At Boston College, I mean, Boston College returns a lot. And then at Florida, you know, Florida could – we'll see what they get out of quarterback with Emory Jones, but they, they're probably going to be a top-10 team. So it's a tough back half of the schedule. And I think for Florida state to make a bowl game, they're going to have to win some of those early games in September, um, which on paper, you know, wake and Louisville right now are toss ups, you know, um, Mm -hmm. wake is a well-coached football team. Um, Louisville is the biggest wild card potentially in the entire conference, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because they do have talent, but, that team did not play to expectations last year. And then it was a weird offseason with Satterfield. So I'm going to go five and seven. And there's a lot of variability um, with a lot of teams in the ACC and Florida state. I think is just another one of them. Yep. James, where do we mess it up here? Um, no, he did. I, again, <laughs> it's a, 
everything you said is very true. That's why I said I, I would say seven if I'm seven and five. Um, regular season, and I always I said the eight win bowl game, but like, and that's for me to like tell people like, is was it worth it? Like you, what you're saying is 100 percent true. Wake is always a very good team, well coached team. This also should be a game where you roll out of bed and you're just that much more talented than Wake Forest, right? Louisville, I think um, Satterfield's a great coach. Um, but again, you you just should have that much more talent. Like, and they've lost like you know you know two two out well. Um, maybe you don't maybe you don't give a fifteen yard cushion to a guy who runs a four two eight. Like you know maybe that's not the best way to cover him. I don't know. I'm not a deep <laughs> guy, but I, I know if I that and you consistently gave me that look, two two would have five hundred yards receiving. I like it'd be. Like, I would question if they're trying to make him pull his hamstring or tire him out so we can't score anymore. Like, that's the defensive strategy. So, I mean, those are two games that we're talking about. And Doran, Dave Doran is a good coach with North Carolina State, but, like, is he really – like, do you if, – if, is it that bad to where Florida State's sitting there clamoring, like, man, we have a talent level of that. And if that's, the, if that's truly the case, then that's what needs to be really said. So – um, but I, I think seven and five is more of my prediction. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, the, there's a player, player built in bias on me. So like having played those guys, like, like Wake Forest was the, like, I wasn't on the Florida State teams that lost the Wake Forest. I was on this Florida State teams that like, I was taking my shoulder pads off after halftime, <laughs> trying to figure out what I wanted to do that night after we finished this Wake Forest game. So like that's like you know but the difference but but I I could definitely like I I can't that's it stinks though that I can't pound the table and say you're wrong for five and seven but that is where we're at so I mean I I, I can agree two two of those two of those games are toss ups yeah it's a lot but, of variability so for what it's worth SP plus has Florida State as a projected five point four wins. 3.1 in the ACC, uh, likely wins UMass, Jacksonville State, Syracuse, toss-ups at Wake Forest, Louisville, at Boston College. Literally the State. games we talked about. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's kind of my math is UMass, Jacksonville State, Syracuse, probably layups, and then split Wake Forest and Louisville, split Boston College and NC State, and there's your, you know, there's your five and seven. So and play- I, I, I think Boston, that's reasonable. man. Is, is for whatever reason, it's always it's very tough. It's always weird playing up there. Well, of course, of, of course, they schedule that game for the team from Florida to go in up November. there the Saturday before yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Late November. Went, now that it's good and cold. I went last time, and man, it was um, it was cold. When I played, we played in October, um, and it was still cold for us Florida guys, but slight different October than November. Like it, if I remember correctly, it's oh. I, I like my cigars. I was on my mother-in-law's porch. I had a good cigar, too. Very expensive. And that wind hit me in my nose. And I just said, F this. <laughs> I, I, threw it, I think it was like a $50 cigar. I just threw it over the side. It was, I, I, as a Florida boy, I've never encountered a wind like that just punched me right in my, like, I think it made me tear up. So I just went inside. I just, like, bumped this. I'm going to, like, I don't even want to. 
like I don't even want to smoke anymore. Like, <laughs> like if I Boston, I probably would not smoke cigars. Like COVID wouldn't stop me. COVID might not stop me in Florida, but that cold up north in the Northeast, like, would definitely make me not want to smoke. At least outside. Definitely not. Absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, Mike, that's all I got for James. Anything else before we get out of here? Nothing between three and nine and nine and three would surprise me at Florida State. So chalk that up to another one of the seven teams in the ACC that we've said that for. I was say, go ACC. And we got some left that go we'll ACC. still do that for. So that'll be good. Nine and three. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Extend. You're talking about, like, I'll up my booster allotment if Mike Norvell could go nine and three. I'll make sure we keep him around for a little bit more. I might uh I might have <laughs> make a bit easier. My job at fifth quarter will make so much more money. Like that's what I tell you, man. I I I don't want us to suck because it affects my budget. Like like winning Florida State is profitable um to talk about. Nobody wants to hear about how bad we suck. So but Maybe not nine and three. I got a little oversellous. But anyway, between like three and nine and like eight and four, probably. I'm going with that eight, man. We get to that eight, bro. I'll be throwing some massive tailgates. Like people will be, it'd be some mock if we go, like, let us win nine and three. Oh my God. These guys, like, it'll be, I have all the old, old white FSU fans going crazy. Like, it'd be like Stone Cold Steve Austin, like, I know from experience the tailgates are wild. They're a good time. Tailgates are a good time. (laughs) We'll have uh, we'll have some much much different questions about Mike Norvell if they go eight and four this year. So and and yeah, James, as you're saying, you would be thrilled to be asking those questions moving forward. So we'll we'll see if he makes it happen. um, Things in his contract that won't let him leave to go to the NFL. Because if I'm out of here. I'm not even gonna lie to you. <laughs> FSU's a pressure cooker. I'm getting the hell out of here if I yeah. I'm, I this magic trick, and for my next act, I'll go <laughs> Jaguars win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Get the hell out, of Dodge. <laughs> James, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for for joining us and for giving us your time here tonight. Uh, real quick, do you want to tell the people where they can go find your stuff? Yeah, um, at Big Game James underscore thirty six on Twitter. Um, easiest thing at sports den underscore live is the um the radio show podcast um, we're going to be doing some unique stuff this football season uh, we've got some great relationships with college coaches great relationships with some players i'm going to have some unique access uh, to different things i um, giving people a different um perspective and view uh, from a fan player um coach and media media side so um, that's kind of what we got going. And other than that, um, I, I really ask people to more so support uh, my philanthropic stuff. My, my MFTK Foundation, Mentors for the Kids, is um, the official name. Um, it has some other meanings, but that's where we go in. And, um, you know, we just got done doing these book, doing um, two book bag giveaways. We gave over a thousand book bags between Tallahassee and Jacksonville. We did sports camps. Um, we feed, I think we gave, we've given over 200,000 pounds of food in the month of July, um, in August and in, in so far in August. So we do that weekly. Um, you know, the best way to support those things is 
you know, obviously if you join the fifth quarter, that five dollars a month that you get for a lot of those, a lot of the insider information, that's what also pushes these community programs. So we try to at least let you feel good about the little five dollars that you spend. Um, you know, some of y'all curse me, like you know, that's a Wendy's biggie bag. Um, and I'm sorry if sometimes the information isn't as fast as it's been, but you know, at the same time, I guess it's five dollars. So you kind of get what you pay for. Maybe we'll, we'll do a light, <laughs> we'll do a lightning twenty dollar thing to where we will try to do better. But but you know, we I appreciate everything, man, and um, I appreciate you guys also giving me the um the ability to talk about uh, um a man that was near and dear to my heart, and um and I hope the world um, continues to remember him and hopefully me and a lot of the guys who played for him um, continue to be um, great examples um, of men that he helped mold and raise. Absolutely. James, you're the man. Thank you so much. Look forward to uh, having you on again sometime soon. All right, all right man. Anytime guys go, I go where I'm at. That's right. <laughs> all right. All right, Mike, that was James Coleman. Uh, once again, at Big Game James underscore 36 on Twitter. He's got all sorts of great causes. You, and you can get a lot out of it, too, again, in, in the form of information. But it does go to a good cause. Um, so go go check those out. Go support those causes. We, we appreciate those who do. we got to get out of here. we got to keep previewing some teams. Uh, we are going to come back and keep doing that. In the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SOS together at BC podcast ACC. And once again, he is at big game, James underscore 36 on Twitter. Go find him for all sorts of Florida state takes and, uh, and beyond I'll say, um, you can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. You can find us on iTunes on Spotify, Anywhere you can find your pod- podcast, go find us, hit the subscribe button, hit that follow button. Uh, you know, I, one of the things that I did recently was I hit subscribe on my wife's phone, Mike. You know, you can help the show that way, get get more people subscribed that way. And she'll certainly listen to it, too. <laughs> Something like that. There's no rules. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on social media? Facebook, Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Go to Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. Absolutely. Check us out there. Please do. Please do. Lots of fun. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. Anything else? Almost done with previews. We're getting there. We're on the back on the back half now. On the back nine, as they say. Back seven, technically, but you know, we'll, we'll borrow the golf phrase here. So, yeah, we're there. You want to come back and preview some more teams? Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. James Coleman, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Mm-hmm.